Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. This episode, we're going to be talking about things that we can do to make our homes more secure. If you've been following us on Instagram, and if you're not, I hope that you do, you can find us easily enough at the Self-Initiative Project. Uh, But if you've been following us there, you know that probably around the first week of August, we started a, a series on things that we could do to make the home more secure for ourselves and our loved ones. So go out there and find that. But I thought, you know, what better way to put all the information, gather all the information in one spot and just put it all in a podcast to put out there for you guys. So I hope that you enjoy it. And if you do, be sure and tell your friends and family about us so they can come learn some information too. And so look, I hate, I know I'm going to disappoint some of you. I, I know it. I'm probably not going to cover every single tip that's out there that's possible. Some of these tips may or may not be applicable to you, though I suspect that most of them will be, especially if you're not following very many of them already. And I can't claim this information to be mine. I'm not saying that any of this information is unique or original. I'm just saying that I'm putting it together for you to hopefully give it to you so you can act on it. And look, it it doesn't do any good just to listen to the information. It's important that you go and, like I said, act upon it, develop the routines and the habit to follow these tips and advice that we're giving you to make your home more secure for you and your family. So the way that I thought that we would break this down and depending on the source, you know, again, this is an original content, but the way I kind of think of it is I wanted to start out at the street. If you imagine being outside your home, looking up your driveway, or maybe you're in the backyard looking towards your house. uh, I want to start on the exterior of the house and I want to start at the street level and kind of move up and work my way around the house and then move to the inside. And in my mind, that's about as complex as it needs to be. And after we talk about some of the things that we can do on the inside, on the interior of our homes to make our houses and homes more secure, I want to talk about the safe room. And there's a specific reason why we talk about the safe room, and we'll talk more of that in a little bit. But with that, we can get started uh, again, starting with the exterior of the house and working our way down the street. And look, these tips by them, you know, on their own, it's like details, right? Details are details and they seem trivial, but you add them all together and that's what's really going to help make the difference in making your home more secure. So don't think about these on an individual basis. Think about which ones you can do together that in totality go towards making a safer home. And again, it's not just about you listening to the information and knowing and having the information. It's about implementing the tips that you hear with us during this podcast or that you see on our Instagram account. And it's about, again, developing the habits and routines to lock the doors and turn on the lights and and make sure your kids know what to do, too. That's just as important in a family scenario or a roommate scenario, significant other, whatever. It's important that they know what to do. And you guys kind of work together to have a game plan. And if you're living alone, it gets a little bit easier. But it's also critically important that you have a game plan for yourself. So, again, starting at the street, you know, it sounds simple enough, but, you know, You can start by bringing your mail in and bringing the newspaper in out of the driveway. And after the garbage men or garbage people (laughs) take away your garbage, bringing your garbage can, your recycling bin back up to the house. And what that does is that gives anybody that's looking at your property or considering your place as a potential target, someone casing the joint, the house, as they say, um, this gives, this lets them know that, Hey, I'm home. I take care of things. I care about how things look and I'm paying attention. And, you know, it's easy enough to bring in the mail every day or every other day. Um, When you go on vacation, you can even put in a notice with the United States Postal Office, uh, having them hold back your mail while you're gone. And then, you know, in that same form, and you can fill it out online on the USPS website, Uh, You also let them know when you're uh, expected back and when they can deliver it again. And when they deliver it, there's usually a few rubber bands around, you know, stockpiles of your mail, but you can have it postponed while you're away. An alternative, if you can't bring in your mail, is have your neighbor do it or a trusted friend do it while you're away. So you keep up appearances. Don't let 
don't let newspapers collect at the end of the driveway because that looks like at the very least you're lazy and neglecting your place. And, and it could be an indication for someone, again, looking at the property casing it that, that, that no one's home because there's 12 newspapers in the driveway. And again, bringing up the garbage can and recycle bins. And those, those things in and of themselves, again, don't seem like a big deal, but it goes towards making the place look like it's kept up and that someone's home. And if you can't do it, there's ways to have other people do it for you. And uh, if nothing else, it just goes towards making the neighborhood look better as well. So, you know, one of the devices they make is the earliest uh, warning sign that you can give yourself or uh, I guess uh, alert that you can give yourself, I should say, is they make these driveway alarms, if you will. And what they are is they're general sensors that send a beam across wherever you aim them. Right. And they're usually good from zero out to upwards of 20 feet. My limited experience with them is it's more like zero to 12, zero to 15 feet in in depth and distance, enough to get across your driveway more than likely. You put one of these weatherproof or mostly weatherproof sensors, they're battery operated out on a post of some sort. And then what it does when when the signal's broken, it sends an alert back to the base unit that you keep in the house, obviously, and it and it beeps. And it lets you know when someone's either walking up your driveway or driving up your driveway. I think, you know, unless you have a super long driveway or a really large piece of property that you're trying to monitor, but obviously you can't see everything all the time and you can't be everywhere at one time, I think you know, you may or may not look into these types of things. Uh, you can find them on Amazon. There's a whole slew of them on Amazon, like everything is these days. And, and certainly on a larger piece of property or a super long driveway, you want might want to consider that this as being a, the one of the earliest warning uh, indicators, alerts that you could possibly uh, put into place for yourself. One of the things that you can do that's really easy is work your lights. Uh, Your house generally has some sort of exterior lights, whether it's right at the porch, over the garage, on the side of the house. And if you don't have floodlights on your house, I highly recommend this. Uh, They're relatively cheap. I think some of the big, uh, big box home stores, you can pick up. Uh, basic floodlight units, you know, that have the two big bulbs in them and a motion descent, uh, sorry, motion sensor in them for roughly 20, 25 bucks at the most. And then they go up from there and you can get fairly fancy pants with them. But for 20 bucks, you can get a basic floodlight that has motion detection into place. And, you know, it's, it's nice to light up the place after dark when you need to, especially if you hear spooky bumps in the dark, boogeyman out in the front yard or whatever. It's nice to be able to turn on lights. But the nice thing about the motion detection lights is, is that they're off until they are not. And, you know, yes, dogs and sometimes flying insects and, and whatever can, can set them off. But generally, they're not quite that sensitive. You know, they're going to pick up on motion and or uh, infrared heat. Uh, sensing some of them to trip when someone um, moves on your property, depending on where you have the lights aimed and where you have that motion sensor aimed, um, you can get some pretty uh, early indicators. And, you know, I like the idea of the motion sensor too, because that means I don't have to leave my lights on all night long, which my neighbors really appreciate because I'm not shining bright uh, LED floodlights in their front or back windows all the time. And the other thing is, is that at least I'm kind of the th- of the mindset that if a light turns on suddenly uh, because someone walks up and trips the motion sensor, you know, that's likely to startle them. And, and bad people like to operate in the dark. They don't like to be lit up and have the spotlight put on, so to speak. So uh, I highly recommend motion detection floodlights, particularly over the garage, on the sides of the house, uh, up towards the top, you know, the on- not the awning, but you know what I mean, at the, at the roof juncture. Um, any place that you feel like that's a little extra dark or somewhere you wish there could be some lights on it, or maybe it's just a good place that if someone did trip you know, the lights via the motion indicator, it's the earliest point that 
you could have a light turn on. And I, and so I highly recommend the floodlights. Of course, the porch lights are great too, because if you come in and out from a a dinner date with your significant other, or uh, the kids are coming home uh, after dark, it's a good idea to flip on the porch light for them. Right. And today with the advent of smart bulbs, it's easy enough to screw in a, a smart a smart bulb into your outside porch lights and be able to have remote access control via your smartphone for those particular types of lights and be able to turn them on remotely. And for that matter, when you're home, turn them on via voice command with things like OK Google or Amazon Alexa or the handful of other systems that seem to be coming out on a daily basis now. So you can have precise control over those lights, including like interior lights, which we'll be talking more about here in a bit, but, you know, including being able to set those porch lights up on timers uh, even. So there's really a myriad of options as far as lighting goes. And so if you don't have those lighting options in place yet, that would be uh, one of the first things that I'd recommend for you doing. Uh, Really important. And again, there's no reason to have to leave them on all night burning electricity and ticking off your neighbors. One of the biggest tips that I give people all the time, and I think I feel like I give it because I'm so adamant about it for myself, and I know so many people don't follow this rule. You know, when I was a kid, I remember my, te- my, my well, my teachers too, probably, but I remember my parents saying, look, you don't open up the door for people, for strangers you don't know at our front door. And of course, we had Uh, salesmen and other peddlers walk up to the house all the time and knock on the front door. And I knew better than to open that door. Uh, So that was never a problem for me. But as an adult now, and I guess as I become kind of more antisocial when I'm home, is I really have developed the habit of not answering the door. If I'm not expecting you, I can't see who it is, or, you know, I just don't know who you are, right? And what I mean by answering, someone wanted me to clarify this. So what I mean by answering is opening. You know, I'm from the South, so I guess here, at least for me, answering means opening. But I get it semantically. It's a little, it's it's semantics, but it is a little different. If you're home alone, uh, especially if you're a female, someone knocks on the door and you can't see them, you're not expecting them, and you don't know who it is. There is nothing wrong with, so long as you don't open the door, there is nothing wrong with you in a very firm, loudish voice answering them verbally to let them know that you're home. Tell them, you know, tell them you're on the phone and, and, and can't answer, come to the door that, you know, if they have a brochure or something, leave it. Let them know that your boyfriend or your husband's going to be home or whoever's going to be home in about five minutes and, you know, they can come back later. There is some merit to announcing your presence so they're not tempted to kick in that front door thinking that no one's home. Home invasions are rare, but when a home invasion occurs, it's a little bit different because the people, and usually it's done in teams of two or three or more, Usually when a home invasion's committed, they're not afraid of people being home and, and they know you're home and they're coming in one way or the other. But burglaries, for example, are more, you know, they're not looking for trouble. They're looking for easy targets. They're looking for the homes that don't have the lights, that don't have the security signs, that it's apparent, you know, have 12 newspapers down at the end of the driveway as parent no one's home. Those are the types of houses that those types of bad people are looking for because those guys don't want any trouble. So if you announce yourself, if you're home alone, that is an approach you can take. My personal policy is, is not only do I not open the door, I just simply don't answer. I let my dogs bark, which if you don't have big dogs, that's a good idea too. We'll talk about that more here in a minute, but uh, I just let it go. So don't open the door uh, for anyone you're not expecting, can't see or don't know. I just touched on it briefly, but one of the things you can do on the exterior house, whether you actually have a security system or not, is to put stickers and signs in your in your yard on your property to let others others know that you've got a secure home. 
And I recommend having a security system, which again, kind of, kind of jumps ahead here, but uh, I recommend uh, having a security system. But again, the sign is just more to detour. And that's an important part piece of this, of this, of these layers of security we're building for ourselves around the exterior of the home is why not, what's a little white lie in letting the bad guys know that your place is secure? Because again, they're looking more, more times than not, they're looking for easy targets. And if they see, or they think, or they believe that you have a security system, they can go right next door or a couple of houses down and potentially find a much easier house, one that doesn't have a security system. So that's a great little uh, tip for you too. So there's been some, I've seen some back and forth a little bit about whether or not security cameras do any good or not. And I get it, right? So the question is, and this is a recent post of ours on Instagram, is whether or not to camera or not. Some believe that today cameras don't do a lot of good because people that are, you know, intent on doing something they shouldn't be doing aren't even going to pay attention to them. And don't even care, especially if there's people involved. And that I think that's a, an important differentiation. So I personally believe that security cameras on the exterior of the house is a good idea. If nothing else, it lets me see the, the package delivery people kicking my package to the front door instead of coming up and setting it down gingerly on my front stoop. It allows me to see who's knocking at my door. A lot of times I've, you know, because my policy is strict, I don't open the door. Sometimes I've logged into my camera, pulled up my camera on my smartphone just to see that it's my neighbor knocking on the door and they, you know, they need a cup of sugar or whatever it is. Right. And there is the chance that you could catch an image of the person that broke into your house or is, you know, breaking into your car in the driveway, et cetera. Uh, there is the chance that you can get them captured on film. You know, cameras uh, vary today and vary in cost with, with their features, but cameras can record remotely. They can record on hardware. They can record to the internet cloud, you know, the interwebs. They can record to themselves with smart cards that are in the side or back of the camera. Uh, they trigger, you know, they can be triggered to begin recording when something does trip them to go off. They can send you emails of images during the day. So I think they do a lot of good. I think the reason f some folks believe that cameras don't good, and I, and I understand why and tend to agree, is that out in public, there are so many cameras today and everyone, even the bad guys, have gotten so used to cameras being up anywhere, no one even thinks about them anymore, right? I also think that when crimes are committed out in public versus on someone's private property, I think when there are people involved, I think the key differentiation of why cameras are overlooked slash ignored is because emotions are involved when people are involved. It's a lot different than taking a piece of property, right? When you're at the convenience store and you're intent on robbing it, uh, robbing the person behind the counter, or it's a gang related and you're having a shootout in the parking lot. I don't think any of those scenarios, the people committing those crimes are even concerned about video cameras that might be on that property. So I think when it comes to public and there's people involved, the emotions are there, which kind of tunes out everything around you anyway, when you're focused on an individual person versus around the home, it's, it's probably likely going to be more property related. And again, home invasions are a little different. That's when people are involved you can see plenty of videos of people uh, involved in home invasions when the guys kick in the front door knowing that they're home and come in. And you can see then that, that the cameras or the thought of there possibly being cameras doesn't seem to really register. So I think the differentiation is emotions. But I think the benefit, so the point of that is, is that the benefit of having cameras on the exterior of your home is greater than not having them. In other words, you have the potential of catch, catching uh, footage of bad things happening potentially, and you can see who is at the door when you have cameras. And now they even have uh, systems not to promote any one system, but they have the 
doorbells, you know, that when you ring the doorbell, the camera flips on so you can immediately see. Now, I don't, I'm not necessarily recommending one of those, but it is another option that conveniently lets you see who's ringing that doorbell. So just some food for thought there on the camera scenarios. And again, the pricing's all over the board, depending on the features. I recommend uh, wireless. I recommend the ability to record and or send emails. Uh, a lot of options out there to explore for sure. So while we're out in the front yard, kind of stepping back again, and I know I'm all over the place because there's a lot of tips to point out and talk about, is I think in addition to bringing in the mail, keeping the driveway free of newspaper and bringing in your garbage can is keep your grass cut. If you have a home and you're in charge of your property, keep your grass cut. Don't be lazy. If nothing else, this goes a long way towards making your neighborhood look better. And if you're lucky, Maybe if your neighbor sees that you're keeping up your place, they'll start keeping up their place too and, you know, play catch up with you and mow their grass too that week. Uh, the reason why I say mow your grass is just like the mail and everything else. It just goes towards, it looks like somebody's home. It looks like the place is kept up and that you care about your property. So, you know, if you're not big out and working in the yard or, you know, you have an illness that keeps you from working out in the sun or whatever it is, pay, pay a kid to come and mow it for you. And again, it just goes towards keeping things neat and tidy in the neighborhood, if nothing else. Uh, let's talk about the driveway some more. So a lot of us, myself included, I have a car that I park in the driveway. And, you know, it's easy when you're home and the car's parked right up against the house in the driveway. It's easy enough to leave the doors unlocked, right? Or even leave the keys in it, potentially. And this is just a big no-no. Your driveway, even though we would like it to be different, at the end of the day, isn't a whole lot different than a public parking lot. It is, but it isn't. The amount of crime that could be cut down simply by locking up our personal property could be tremendous. It's important to keep your car doors locked wherever it is. A couple of other tips is don't leave your keys in the ignition and don't even leave your cars in or your keys in or on that car. You know how sometimes they make they make the uh, magnet carriers. You could put a key in and stick it underneath your car somewhere. Well, that's old school. Everybody knows that trick, right? Don't put them above your your sun visors, don't put them underneath the front seat. Don't put them under the mat in the front floorboard. Take your keys in and lock your car. Keep it locked. Don't leave your keys in it. And when you do go out to get in your car, please take the additional two to three seconds it will take you, maybe a little bit more if it's after dark, and do a brief check of the back seat. Make sure you've got no unwanted hitchhikers in the back seat. Um, and that in and of itself will make you and your, and your car, your automobiles, your vehicles in your driveway that much safer. So I kind of consider neighbors as part of the exterior of my house, right? And over the years, I've gotten to know most of the neighbors in, uh, on either side of me and in front of me. And some recommend, you know, finding a neighbor that you trust well enough to leave a key with that you can kind of let know when you're going to be out of town so they can keep an eye on the place. I personally think while you don't have to hang out and party with them all the time, I personally think it's a good idea to get to know your neighbors. It seems like society as a whole has kind of gotten away from this. I know when I was a kid, neighbors and such talked seems like more than what they do today. Maybe not, but it, I think it's a good idea to get to know your neighbors and, 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 you know, do favors for one another. And I think it's simple enough to ask them to keep an eye on the place. Even if you're not comfortable giving them a key to your home just yet comes in handy. I know I do it for some of my neighbors and they do it for me. And I actually hold the key for a neighbor or two as well. So that's a good idea is to get to know your neighbors and and use them as needed. To wrap up the exterior of the home, I want to talk about some other maintenance items. So one of the things that we can do in addition to the grass is trim your hedges back. And when I say trim your hedges back, I'm talking about two things. One is the height of the hedges. And the height, they say, really should be kept at about three feet. Now look, I know a lot of hedge types and a lot of hedge styling and landscaping, you know, has hedges that are taller than that. And that's fine. But as a general rule, what you're trying to do is make it 
increasingly more difficult for someone to be hiding out in your bushes, hiding out in your hedges, waiting on you to get home, especially after dark when you're not looking for folks to be behind your hedges. So the idea, the ideal is to keep them at three feet, three, three and a half feet. I say they're about like I got some azaleas out front. I keep it about three and a half feet, give or take. And the second and I think more as important, if not more important, is keep your, your shrubs and hedges off of your house. Keep at least, I would say, a foot between your house and the bush. And again, this just keeps things. It allows air and maybe even a little sunlight to get back there. So moisture doesn't build, build up. So you're really, again, just taking care of your property, which is a which is a side benefit to security. Right. But. It's enabling it to be a clear side of path so that when you walk by, you can see everything and don't have any points of um, blockage. So keep them trimmed to about three, three and a half feet and keep them at least about a foot off of your house. I know we kind of talked about a lot of different things with the exterior of the home. And again, I'm not trying to cover everything. I'm sure there's a lot of other tips, but I do want to move on to the interior of the house. And a lot of the same tips and advice are going to be given for the interior. We, we have the door to talk about in locks. We have security cameras. We have security systems. So a lot of the things that we're going to do on the interior of the house are uh, like the things that we did on the exterior with, with some new items. So uh, starting out with cameras, again, I think cameras are a good idea especially on the interior house of course you know you don't want to be recording guests and things like that when they're over but they're really good because if someone were to get inside your house you have a potential means of capturing their actions obviously you're going to be able to know when it's a stranger versus someone you know and who knows maybe maybe in the unfortunate event that your babysitter's done something they shouldn't have you'll have it on film and thank yourself later for that to help the case. But I think cameras have a place inside the house as much, if not more than on the outside. And it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to have, you know, $300 cameras in every single room, but you do want to think about points of entrance and uh, egress that make sense to potentially point a, a recording camera there too. Uh, talking about security systems Buy yourself a security system, a security alarm, whatever you want to call it. Cellular is the way to go now, but get a security system installed if you haven't already. This can be your number one guard against someone coming into your house. Again, we've talked about the security signs being all over the windows and signs in the front yard and the backyard, et cetera. But when it comes down to it, you really should have a security system, especially in this day and age, uh, because you just don't know. Uh, you should have your security system monitored. In other words, uh, tie it into a monitoring station and the monitoring station, their job is, is when uh, your alarm is triggered, they call you to make sure everything's okay. And if you don't answer or you can't provide them the information they ask you to provide, they're going to send the local police. And that's a good thing. This is especially critical if you live out in the middle of nowhere or further out away. Uh, I can't, I can't emphasize the, the importance of having your system monitored and I know there may be instances where you, you don't want to have to afford monthly monitoring fees. Monitoring fees can be as little as I've seen $14 a month, usually paid quarterly, all the way up to 60 plus a month, depending on what type of system and, and the, the uh, company that installs the system for you. I would just caution you that really pay close attention to the equipment that the company's offering you and how they're tying that free equipment or that package deal together with monitoring because free equipment's easy for them if they're charging you 60 plus dollars a month to monitor the system right so pay attention and i won't mention any names but consider highly reviewed highly ranked mm, more small mom and pop security shops that really have a good, uh, a really good reputation in the community. And you find good reviews in multiple spots, Google, Yelp, et cetera, et cetera. 
because I think ultimately you you're likely to get maybe a better deal. Yeah, you might pay potentially more uh, or some for the equipment itself, but you'll find that the monitoring fees uh, are probably more in line with where they should be. Look, security equipment today runs the full gamut. I mean, you can get anything you want. Uh, some of the add-ons that are likely add-ons, because, you know, typically the base packages, if you're looking at packages of equipment, just cover basic doors and a few windows, right? So you're going to add windows more than likely. If you got a really big house, you're probably going to add some doors, uh, you at least want to cover the doors and windows on your first floor, right? And that that's in addition to the basement. Uh, certainly, if you're on a basement and have windows and doors in the basement, you definitely want to have those covers. But windows and doors on the first floor, at, le- at least if you're in a super big house, you know, it's probably diminishing returns to worry about the windows on the second floors too much unless you have balconies with French doors and windows on that balcony, then those are places you'll likely want to consider adding additional window and door sensors that trip. Uh, for windows, they not only make uh, sensors that detect when the window's been moved up and down, but they also make glass breaks. Some of those are sometimes built into those movement sensors. Uh, more modern systems have glass break, glass motion, whatever they are, across the room for the window. Um, I'm not a, a security technician, so I can't tell you exactly how those work, but there are some options when it comes to glass breaking. So it's a good idea, not just have to, not just installing, uh, the movement sensors, but also ensuring whatever you do, you consider glass breakage because those sensors are designed to, uh, listen for the sound of glass breaking. So that's a good idea. Of course, motion detectors in the house are good. Someone walks through a room, not expecting it. Um, trips the alarm that way, uh, especially in a basement scenario, having some motion detectors in places that are less frequently visited by, you know, you or your families, a good idea. So if you know there's motion, there's likely something going on or a good chance there could be something going on that shouldn't be. Uh, I caution you, they do sell, uh, I'm not sure what the technical name is, but they do sell more pet friendly motion detectors, motion sensors. My experience with those have been hit or miss. Sometimes they don't pick up the big dog you have in your house. And other times, depending on the dog's movements, I suppose, or whether they move or how they move across the sensor, I have found that they get tripped anyway. So just remember, if you do have pets in your house, you'll likely need to bypass when you arm your system, you'll likely need to bypass those motion detectors that where the animals reside mainly and then be sure they're on everywhere else because again security doesn't work if it's not on the rest of the time the other things that i recommend are a speaker you usually get some sort of loud noise maker inside the house as they should uh, they scare scare you to death when they go off and they're good and loud and hurt your ears as they should because That's what they're supposed to do is alert you and get your attention and scare the wits out of the bad guy, too, if they happen to be in the house, the bad people in your house. But I also would recommend considering an outside speaker. And so what they'll do is they'll put a weather resistant or weatherproof speaker up again high on the house so that everybody in the neighborhood knows when your alarm goes off. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, if you're prone to trip your alarm and have a lot of false alarms, your neighbors may not appreciate that over time, but hopefully those are few and far between the outdoor speaker. I contend is increasingly important. Again, if you're out in the country and kind of out in a way, you should, should certainly have your system monitored, but that outdoor speaker can be just as loud as the indoor and louder which alerts folks that could be further away and let them know that you may need help. And if you've reached out to your neighbors, as we talked about earlier, hopefully they come and check up on you if nothing else. So those are kind of the add-ons, the glass break sensors, the motion detectors. Of course, we talked about the cameras too, and you can tie your security cameras into your security system. Uh, those are sometimes part of the package and that outdoor speaker really, uh, are, are strong options to consider when you have your system built. Um, of course, cellular now is a way to go. Uh, at one point it was considered for backup and that sort of thing. Now that really is 
the way to go. The thing that you have to be cautious of when you're using uh, internet-based security systems is that we remember that 911 works different over voice over internet protocol, VOIP. So that is something to consider if you're considering a, an internet-based or VOIP-based uh, uh, security system. Cellular is probably still going to have, if not landline, is still going to have a place for you in, in your security measures, whatever you elect to do there. Uh, let's talk about dogs for a minute. I'm a dog lover, so I've got two big dogs in my house. It is highly unlikely that someone knocking on my front door, here's my two big dogs, is going to want to come into my house on their own, not knowing my two big dogs. Uh, I recommend to have dogs. Dogs uh, serve a lot of purposes. Not only are they loyal, loving pets to have, and teach kids responsibility, et cetera, but a dog, whether they're actually mean and vicious or not, a, a big dog's bark goes a long way towards keeping people out of your house that don't otherwise have a reason to be in there, shouldn't be in there. So there's a place for dogs, big dogs in particular, but even a small yippy dog may discourage the bad folks trying to do bad to your property. Uh, the other thing that you can do, and I can remember hearing this when I was a kid, is when you leave, you know, at night on vacation, leave a radio or TV on. This just simply gives further, you know, the illusion that someone's home, especially if it's part of the normal routine. And again, a lot of times in the cases of houses being broken in and such, it's not just random. These people have cased your house. It could be six months ago when they were looking at your place last, but you can bet that if they decide to hit you, they figure that it's a good place to hit. And so, you know, following your routine or otherwise, they may think twice before coming in if they ha hear that radio in the background or if they hear that TV in the background. And so especially if you have those dogs, when you're away from the house, sometimes dogs enjoy a little music or a little sound in the background to keep them calm and at ease, too. So it's really a win-win across the board. So another part which could have arguably been uh, the exterior of the house is the garage, if you, especially if you have a carport. You want to pay special attention to that space. When you come in, especially after dark, you want to make sure you get in as quickly as possible. And of course, with after you've turned off your car, you want to close that garage door as quickly as possible. If you have a carport, it's extremely important to make sure your doors are locked, your keys aren't left in it, and, and um, that you've checked the back seat prior to getting in. Uh, some take it to the extreme that say technically you should back into your garage before you shut the door down so you're facing out all the time and no one can sneak in behind you. I can tell you I don't take things that far. I pull straight into my garage. I suppose if I wanted to take a step further, I would back into my garage. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you that tip too. If you want to take things to the next level, you should technically back into your garage. Again, the idea being is that that keeps you looking forward so that no one has the opportunity to come in behind you, you know, and sneak up on you and get you when you're, when you're looking at the uh, tennis ball hanging down to the ceiling, make sure, making sure you don't drive into your kitchen or living room, which I know some people have done. Let's talk about lights, lighting in general. You know, we've talked about the floodlights and the porch lights and the value of those on the exterior of the house. They're just as valuable on the interior of the house. Obviously, we all want to see in the dark and need to be able to see in the dark. So lights serve their purpose. But they are also another thing that you can do while you're away that help thwart people thinking about potentially coming in on your property when you're not there. Lights make it seem as though someone's home. And what I recommend is putting your lights on timers. And they make these dial timers that have an on and off switch set on the dial and you set the little pins or push in the little pins uh, where you want the turn on and turn off times to be. Some allow uh, two or three sets of pins so you can have multiple off and on times. But you really want to think about having those lamps on. Plus, it's nice to have them automatically turn on for you in the evenings at the time that you've set anyway, so you don't have to worry about turning on your lights. But especially when you're away, uh, again, whether you're on a hot date with your significant other after dark 
or you've gone away on vacation, this is really important. And look, this is the modern age. Forget the timers. Now we've got smart outlets and smart bulbs that connect to our Wi-Fi in our house. And it's very easy. Uh, uh, just to drop a couple of names here, I have no affiliation with them whatsoever, but TP-Link is one that puts out pretty good stuff, but both bulbs and outlets. And I know uh, the Belkin Wemo is another one that gets talked about quite a bit. And there's, there's others, right? And again, you can find a whole slew of them on Amazon, but it, it's the time of the smartphone and the smart apps and things like that. So these smart outlets and bulbs connect to your Wi-Fi, and then through the power of apps on your smartphone, you can control those lights individually or even put them in groups and control the entire group, like the entire room or multiple rooms all together with the push of a simple button in the app. So you can control the lights that you choose through the bulb or the outlet via the app, simply turning it on and off through the app. When you're away from home, makes it easy to turn on those, even those exterior porch lights remotely. But the other nice things that it allows for is setting up the timers through the app. And not only that, giving you the flexibility to set up random times on random days. So if anybody is paying attention to your home, they don't necessarily see a pattern uh, to win the lights, because again, the lights being on in your house when you're not home is to give the illusion you're there. And I guarantee you, you don't set your lights to come on. You don't turn on your lights at 6.02 p.m. every day. So, you know, it kind of makes sense to randomize those times. The other nice thing about a lot of these or several of these smart outlets and bulbs now is not only do they connect to the app, but if you have a system like OK Google or Amazon Alexa, you can now control those lights and or those appliances, even for that matter, through voice command. And that's really nice. Some people call you lazy. I enjoy convenience. And it really is because now either through the, um, for example, either through the Alexa app, I can speak when I'm in my house, I can speak and Alexa picks it up. Or, um, again, I can do everything through the Alexa app that I could, the brand of smart outlet or bulb that I have app. You know, you wind up having a couple of different apps on your phone, but it really makes it easy and convenient once you get it set up. So those are options. I want to go back and talk about doors for a minute. And specifically, we've talked about why you don't open the door for perfectly good strangers or someone you're not expecting, et cetera. But I want to talk about the locks on the door. The short of it is you need to keep your doors locked and you need to keep your doors locked, especially when you're away, but you need to keep your doors locked just as importantly when you're home. And that's may cross over for some of you to say, Oh, that's paranoid. I'm, I'm not going to have to unlock my door every time I go outside. Well, it's a small price to pay to keep yourself safer, and more importantly, your children or your loved ones safe. And that's the way you need to look at this. It's just one more simple step that sure slows you down a couple of milliseconds, but it's important. As far as the types of locks, there's all types today. And just like smart bulbs and outlets, there's now smart locks and smart keypads and all of that for your doors. I don't have any experience with those, so I'm not going to speak to that. But what I am going to speak to is the good old-fashioned deadbolt and the good old-fashioned lock on the actual doorknob itself if, if you have a doorknob, say, on your front door. But at the very least, you need to have a deadbolt, a good solid deadbolt in store. And, you know, most of the big box home stores carry – decent brands of locks. Of course, you can get online and find some even more uh, secure, crazy expensive locks if you really want to go all out for yourself. But it's important you get a good deadbolt. And uh, if you don't, if you don't feel uh, like you can install it yourself, paying someone to have, have them install it is a good idea. The key piece to a deadbolt is, um, Unless you have a solid wooden door with no glass in it or on either side of it, basically around it, you want to stay away from what they call single cylinder deadbolts. And what this is, you've seen them and you probably have them in your house already, is on the outside of the house, it's a key entry. You have to have a key to open the, you know, to unlock the deadbolt and thus get into the house. 
the single cylinder on the inside though, just has what they call a thumb turn. You know, it's the lever that goes back and forth for, again, for a solid door, solid wooden door, solid metal door, whatever it is that has no glass in it or on either side of it. And I can't think of what that's called right now, but it doesn't matter when you don't have glass. That's a perfectly acceptable type of deadbolt to have installed because there's no way of course, they could always chainsaw through the door. Again, nothing's 100%. If there's a will, there's a way to get in. They'll find it. But for most of the time, when you got a solid door with no glass in it or around it, single cylinder is good enough. When you have French doors with glass, when you have these fancy pants front doors that show off the stained glass or allow folks to look into your house, frosted glass or otherwise or you have the glass running down either side of your front doors or your back doors for that matter, you need to move to a double cylinder. And this is the type of deadbolt that you actually need a key to unlock it from both the outside as well as the inside. Now you say, well, that really makes it difficult for me to get in and out of my house, yada, yada, yada. Well, it's really not that big of a deal to walk over with, to the door with a key to unlock it, to let yourself out. It's really not. If you're going to be home, you probably could leave the key in it so long as you don't leave it in there at night when you go to bed. You should be taking your keys to bed with you anyway. But I re really recommend and insist on the double cylinder when there's glass in the door or around the door, because what that's going to prevent is someone simply knocking out the glass, which is what they do. That's how they come in. But it's going to prevent them from simply knocking out a pane and reaching through and flipping that thumb turn really easily. Again, look, at the end of the day, there is no 100% guarantee. There's no such thing. But the more of these tips and things that you do that I'm telling you to do that you do, the more secure you'll make yourself. But whether individually or together, there's nothing that's ever a hundred percent. I know we all want the magic bullet and the quick fix and the magic pill, but there's no such thing. All we can do is the best we can do and making sure that we're doing all that we can do to make our home secure. And that's what we're talking about. So getting back to the double cylinder, yes, it takes a key to get out from the inside, but this just makes things that much safer. With that being said, if you're renting a house, you might want to make sure that you don't aren't required to use a, a single cylinder for fire code or whatever else. I think that is an issue, at least in some counties or, uh, or cities, but you'll, you'll need to investigate that yourself for where you live to see what's appropriate. But if there is no ordinances or no codes that you need to be following, the double cylinder is the way to go uh, when there's glass in and around the door, period. Speaking of locks, and this is a, a one that's over overlooked, and I always overlook it because my windows stay locked all the time. Your windows have locks on them. Keep them locked. Matter of fact, let's just say this. Anything that can be locked should be kept locked unless you're home, in it, using it, and going to be around. So windows are no exception. Keep your windows locked. Again, so oftentimes crimes happen, burglaries happen because of things being left unlocked, whether it's a door, a window, or a car, uh, especially with cars. I, I, I've been on a couple of ride-alongs with local uh, law enforcement, and I can tell you right now the times that there were uh, br car break-ins. I can't even really call them break-ins. It was because, or one of the reasons was because in every, every case, the car was left unlocked. And I can remember taking that a step further. I can remember in recent past, I was in a more upscale part of town on the north side of Atlanta and going to have drinks or dinner uh, one evening, I was walking through a parking lot in this very upscale part of town, and no less than three cars were running in the parking lot because all three cars had pets in them. All three cars ex precisely had dogs in them. So I don't know if the doors were actually locked or not on those cars, but all three cars were running. Guess what has had an uptick in 
car break-ins. Guess where has had an uptick in car break-ins? That fancy pants part of town because people are leaving their cars running, which means their keys are not only in the car, they're in their ignition. It just makes it really easy to punch a window out and get in and you've got yourself a joy ride for the evening. So keep your stuff locked up and keep your keys away. That's, that's the bottom line there. So you remember earlier when I mentioned this idea of a safe room and we're not talking, I'm trying to remember, I think the, the movie was safe room or safe house. And I think if I'm not mistaken, it's starred Jodie Foster. We're not talking about that. I mean, if you've got the money and the gumption and the time to do that, then more power to you. But that's not really what we're talking about in this particular context. Although I guess it's an extreme version of it. We talk about, choosing a safe room in your house um, to be your go-to should someone come into your house when you happen to be there. The idea being is that you never, well, I shouldn't say never because there's no such thing as never. You ideally should not go room clearing and do, you know, tactical CQB, you know, close quarters combat type room clearing because it's extremely dangerous. And you can ask any Marine or anyone else that's been in Iraq or Afghanistan what the most dangerous job over there was. And they're likely to tell you it was room clearing and going door to door and doing room clearing on these huts and villages there. It's no different when we're home. Well, it is different when you're home. The biggest difference being is that a lot of us are not military. And and thank you for your military service for those of you that have it. But for us civilians, room clearing is not something that we're skilled in. And I dare venture that very few of or any of us have had serious extensive training in room clearing. So this is why the concept and the idea of a safe room becomes important, especially in family situations. And this is a matter of picking a room that makes sense for you and or your family members to get to if they can. This is the room where you feel most safe. This is the room that you likely have uh, at least concealment, if not cover. Uh, the difference being concealment hides you, cover not only hides you, but could stop around if someone was shooting. Uh, this is where you're going to have your key information. You're actually going to have a spare key for your house there to get to officers when they arrive on the scene. Because when you go to your safe room, you're going to be calling 911, hopefully sooner than later. In your safe room, this is basically your gathering spot. This is where you're going to stage any weapons. Uh, if you have weapons, if you're a believer in having guns for home protection like myself, uh, this is likely the place that you're going to have those weapons and have them staged. If And I'm going to emphasize this. You should keep your weapons locked up at all times, at all times, unless you're with them or you're nearby and or don't have small children in the house. If you're away from home, if you don't have it nearby and or you have children, especially small children, you've got to keep them locked up. So you've got to be, you know, you've got to think ahead about what type of safe, what kind of locks you're going to use. You need to be practicing getting those locks off and more. And, and along with that, you need to know where that gun is and be able to get to it and be able to efficiently and effectively get it unlocked and, and ready to go. But the idea is that you want to retreat to your safe room and stay hidden with the door locked, ideally. And, you know, hopefully the bad guys aren't going to come to you. But if you do now, you're prepared, but you're out of their way. Let them take your stuff and get out of the house. That's what insurance is for. It's not worth getting hurt or worse, getting killed because some dude was walking out of their house, out of your house with your 70 inch, your brand new 70 inch. LED, uh, 4K television. Let them have it. It's called insurance. This is also the place that you want to teach your children to come to if they can. Small children, the exception, the reason why I said never, is you're not necessarily going room clearing, but you may have to go get your small children because they may be asleep. They may just be hanging out in your room. So you have a couple options. You need to try to get to them to get them back to your chosen safe room without the bad guys finding you. Or you need to make the decision for yourself, and only you can do this, make the decision that your child's safe 
it, your child's bedroom is going to be the safe room, and then you need to stage your weapons and have your goodies in there and make that your safe room. One or the other, but you have to make that call, and only you can. So you either make it to where you got to go and get your small children and bring them back to your safe room or make your small child's room the safe room, knowing that that's why you're doing it. And then hopefully old, older children are old enough to be able to make it to the safe room or you've made other plans of where they need to go uh, until the coast is clear uh, and they know what to do. And that's part of the family plan. But in your safe room, you're going to carry a few things. Hey, we've talked about staging of weapons, guns, knives, whatever your plan is. Don't know. That's on you. I would just say keep them locked up and just plan on you need to account for that uh, in the scenario that something happens. In your safe room, you're going to keep lights. You, you know, you're going to keep flashlights. I also recommend this is a tip. And again, this is not original information from me, but a tip that I picked up was keeping glow sticks in there because what I'm going to do when an officer comes and comes around and looks in my back bedroom, I'm likely going to open up the window and I'm going to toss him my house key so he can get in and get to the bad guy where I don't have to. Uh, and so a glow stick, I might tie to that key or when I toss the key out the window and he drops it, I can toss, you know, a glow stick out there in the area. Maybe they haven't come around the house yet. You know, whatever the scenario is, I don't know that was kind of silly, but whatever the scenario is, tie your freaking house key to a glow stick, snap it, throw it out there and let them get to it. You want to keep copies of your driver's license and or your passport in your safe room so that you can readily identify yourself. Maybe your wallet's in the purse that you left in your car, which you shouldn't have. But who knows? Maybe you're comfortable leaving your purse in your car because you parked it in the garage and the garage door's down and you know that's okay. But you don't have your wallet on you when you're in your house usually, right? Or at least some of the time you may not be, you may not have access to your concealed carry permit. You may not have immediate access to your driver's license. So the idea is to keep a copy of these documents so that when the officers do arrive on scene, you've got a quick way of showing them who you are. And more importantly, proving that it's your house because your address should be on those documents for sure. So flashlights, glow sticks, a spare house key, Copies of your driver's license, et cetera, are all things in addition to weapons and the weapons being staged. Uh, the idea being, again, you don't want to be moving around your house a lot. Uh, it's not Hollywood. I can't emphasize this enough. Don't get your information from TV shows, the media, or Hollywood movies. Uh, it's bad. It's wrong. And you'll get yourself hurt. This is about not moving. You're not trying to be... Uh, the bad, you know, the really slick, cool, tactical military dude, uh, like in the movies, that's going to sweep and clear his house with his fully automatic silenced AR-15. That's not what this is about. This is about getting yourself and your loved ones to a safe spot, waiting until the, the law enforcement arrives. And then, you know, if, if the bad guys come into your space, then, you know, you've got to have a plan to deal with them, which I'm assuming you will and do. But that's something that only you can decide. So you want to have a phone because, again, hopefully you're calling 911. So hopefully you keep your cell phone in your bedroom. And, you know, your safe place is where you're going to have your kids ultimately, right? That's the most important thing you've got is your kids. You, can't re you can replace your TV. You can't replace your kids. And then, you know, along with the safe room, look, guys, it does no good if other members of the family don't know what you're doing, what your plan is or anything like that. So I can't emphasize the need to have a family plan put together. You guys have open, honest communication with one another. So everyone's on the same page. And so when and if the small percent of time that something bad's going to happen with you and your house you guys know what's going on. And look, it's not even about something bad happening while you're in your house. It's just about home security in general. It's no different than what happens if the house catches on fire. Surely you've got a plan for that. Where is everyone going to meet? How is little Timmy going to get out of his bedroom window? You know, what's the game plan? What's the meeting place in the front yard? Is it in the backyard? Uh, does everybody know how to operate a fire extinguisher? Uh, does everyone know how to dial 911? Does everybody know that when you dial 911, you give your address very first thing? 
because if the calls dropped or something else, you want to make sure they get that information. Uh, them triangulating your location is not a sure thing. And even if they are able to triangulate your location, it's not pinpoint accurate. So the first thing you do when you call 911 is give them your address. So having a family plan, communicating that plan, getting everybody on board, running through scenarios, practicing that plan if you feel like it. Those are all things that need to be part of the consideration set as well. So with that, we've covered some tips and pointers and strategies that you can use to make your home more secure. We've kind of talked about the, we've been all over the place, but we started talking about the exterior of the home and what we can do there. Moving into the interior home with a lot of overlap between those two. And then we've talked about one of the most important is having a, a safe room and a game plan for that. And so we hope you've had at least a couple of takeaways from this podcast. Like we said, we've been running this series of posts on Instagram now since the first week of August, and we just thought we'd put it all together in one place. We're going to continue those posts on Instagram until we run out of things to post relative to home security. But we really hope that you've gotten some good information out of this. And look, if you have, Feel free to share this podcast with your friends and family or anyone else you think you would benefit that would benefit from it. Share it with your church, share it with your schools, share it with your business people, whatever. Uh, and we would greatly appreciate it. But most importantly, we hope that you've gotten something good from it and that you make your home more secure. So with that, we want to thank you for listening in again to our episode six of the Self-Initiative Project podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.